Yes, thank you, Amber, and thank you all for thinking with me for three weeks about pain. Uh, I'm not a negative person, and uh, I've experienced pain as you have, and some of you in awful ways, but it's sometimes avoided, and that's why I said to Josh, is it okay if I do this on a negative subject? And let's look at it together. I'm going to be in Psalm 73 today. Psalm 73, if you'd like to follow in a pew Bible or in your own Bible. Uh, but it's, it's a complaint psalm. Now, Wawasee Community Bible Church, great name, and I see why your pastors and others I've met with your board, how, why they love you. It's a great joy here. And thanks for coming out on a, on a gorgeous day, but a snowy day. We live in Michigan, and boy, up there, we, we left... Uh, yesterday, and it was 85 degrees and sunny. And go, go north in the winter if you want to, if you're... No, not really. Uh, Kirk and I go back just to a meeting in the office once I was down here and, and just connected with your church a little with coaching, which is what I do. I got to pastor 45 years, and now the last 10 I've been uh, serving other pastors and trying to help with coaching and some principles that work. Kirk, however, is Norwegian, as you know. Uh, I'm Swedish, and Norwegians and Swedes have a lot of pain together. Uh, many of you have heard, a thousand Swedes chased through the weeds by one Norwegian. And, and that really bothers me. Kirk and I were, uh, just a couple summers ago, we're going to go fishing, and we came down to, actually it was Wawasee Lake, and uh, I said, well, why don't you put the boat in and I'll get our permit, and here's what he did. Uh, So we have not been fishing since. Join me in your Bibles in in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, those of you who are uh, into the Bible know how much complaining there is, but a lot of people uh, say, I even heard it growing up, I know you're not supposed to ask why, or I know you're not supposed to ask questions. Oh, come on. Read the Bible, Psalm 73. Now, it it starts out... uh, Pleasantly, but there's a lot of complaining here. It's fine to complain to God. He can handle it. <laughs> the question why is one of the largest in the world. The, the question mark beside it has to be 20 feet tall. Why? Why would that happen in my life? You've asked it. You've thought it. Little things, I mean, they're big, but we look at Washington, D.C. and say, why? <laughs> why in the world can't you get together? Don't you feel that? It's, but and tragedies like Amber talked about and like some of you are experiencing right now, either from the doctor or we're all going to face pain. Why? And, and Asaph is the one writing. David does a lot, but this is Asaph, and he he, he asked this question, as you're going to see, why? Glenn Chambers was on his way to Quito, Ecuador, to be a missionary. And he stopped in Miami for a layover to change planes, and he wrote a last-minute note to his mother to say, I love you. 
and he didn't have any paper. He wrote it on the back of a brochure. The plane crashed into this huge mountain down there, El Tablazo, and he died on the way to the mission field. And when his mother read the note, on the back of it, on this little pamphlet, was the big word from the pamphlet. Why? Watch the psalmist now. Verse 1 sounds like a testimony and very positive. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But he now switches. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Trouble for the true-hearted. Come on, it doesn't balance out. And riches for the unrestrained. That's what his theme is going to be. My Sunday school teacher told me when I was a little boy, and I grew up at church all the time, if you trust Jesus, things will go better in your life. I know what she meant, but it's not necessarily true. And I found out that the kids at the high school who didn't even want to talk about Jesus Christ often seemed to have more good times in life than I did. Why? Watch what he asked. Verse 4. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek, which sounds like a contradiction to me. Fat and sleek. But let's don't stop there. Verse 5. They, this is the wicked now, are not in trouble as other men. This is his feeling, at least. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. This is the unbeliever. Kids, this is the, 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 the other kids in junior high who just curse God and his, take his name and tell dirty jokes, and it seems like they're having a good time. This is the guy at your office who cheats on his, on his report sometimes or on his own income tax or on his wife. And he seems to get away with all kinds of selfishness. Verse 6, Therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. Whoa! They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They're just always wanting to fight. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, verse 10, this happens, his people turn back to them. God's people listen to the evil ones and find no fault in them. Huh? And they say, verse 11, this is Bill Mayer on television or the late night show or a lot of people on talk shows, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Does God know what's going on? Doesn't, where's your God? You've probably heard that if you try to share your faith in Christ. Where's God when, well, look what happened in Chicago, the policeman getting killed. Look what happens around in, the, in a farm accident sometimes. We helped in a church where a, a, a farmer backed into his own wife without knowing. How? Why? Huh? 
And that's what the psalmist is saying, and then he comes to this plate. I, I saw a T-shirt that said, personally, I have abandoned my search for the truth. And it's because things pile up. And maybe, we start to think, maybe sometimes when you're 18 especially, or kids that grow up hearing if you trust Jesus, things will always turn out right. Hit 18, go away to college, and the Western Civ prof, this is what happened at Akron where we lived, would say, where's God in front of all this pain and evil? Why doesn't he do something? And a number of them would turn away from their faith and walk away. Well, there's an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow, and the first part of it was Life has many questions, as you see, and the questions all center around this great, this huge word, why? Why does it happen? I never understood as a little kid why the wicked prosper, and I'd see it. In the headlines today, we have Jeff Bezos and all kinds of iniquity related to his life, the richest man in the world. Why? Why him? And perhaps you're going through something right now that you think, where's God? I grew up on Rudy Road. Most of you probably know where Rudy Road is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Nobody knows where it is. But Jack Colangelo and Eddie Kramer and Large Snyder and Newt, Newt Larson, that's me, and Bob Larson, my older brother who taught me to sin, And, and I did. He's, he's a, a fine man, and uh, he's a Presbyterian pastor. And even as late as yesterday, or on, uh, a couple days ago, he called me, and I said, Bob, I, I said something about you in last week's sermon and made it negative again, and I apologize. He said, you're forgiven. Will you do it again? I said, yeah, I think this Sunday. <laughs> no, I was able to sin on my own. <laughs> But we would play together all the time, and others would join us. And George Beckley was another who was always with us, five or six of us, all the time. It was fun. George was always umpire in the softball game because he never walked a step in his life. Born with cerebral palsy and came to Christ as a teenager, and that was one of the good things about the gang that went to church. And, uh, most moving time I ever had in a wedding, I think, other than my own or our daughter's, was standing here beside George, who's in his wheelchair, and watching his bride come down the aisle slowly in walkers. Of course, she too had cerebral palsy. And he died rather young at age 50 because of the cerebral palsy and his own condition. And I still don't know why. And you don't have answers to many things that happen. And that we must admit right here at the beginning. But something happens that at least helps. You may know that with those many questions that are in life, that even Paul, the apostle, said, if there is no resurrection, it's miserable. We are of all men meaningless, most miserable. So that's a hint of some of his answers that are going to come here. This is a picture of uh, my sister. I was at church 
Uh, she was 14, I was 17. I was at church when I got the phone call that she'd been in an accident. I mentioned it last week. Pain, yeah, it still sticks there, you know, in your life. She fell off a horse on Father's Day at my father's house. There wouldn't have been my father's house if there weren't the divorce. They were both Christians. Why? And died three days later. I still don't understand it. A picture from Niagara Falls uh, is, is a reminder. Uh, there we are. It was a very special trip. We got to re return there, my brother and I and our wives, and, and, and went on the Maid of the Mist. And I remember being there. But where's my mother? Well, they were divorced. Why? Why the pain that you face? Well, let's don't linger. Asaph gets some answers and gets the, as much as we need to know. Look at the next verse. I think it's a good reminder of why you're here today. Verse 14, all day long. He said, I, he, in 13, he says, in vain, I've kept my heart clean. What, what's the use? Why, why do what's right? Why follow God's teaching and Christ? 14, all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. I think he's exaggerating, but that's the way he feels. It feels like, man, everything I do, where there's so much awful in the world. Verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Huh? I would have gone against everything we've taught in this church while we see. I would have gone against everything my grandmother, who led me to faith, everything that she taught me from the Bible. Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. It seems like, how do you ever get to the bottom of this? What do you say to the neighbor that says, house come? And he looks at either Washington or much more personal a tragedy in his life. It seemed to me a wearisome task, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Until I went into the temple, in his case. Until I went to where I could understand what God was saying and the word from above. Now, there's a hint of what's going to follow in the rest of this chapter. Don't listen to the guy on the radio necessarily. Don't listen to someone who says to you, well, I think I know why this happened. A fundamentalist woman who had to have answers to everything came by this casket of my 14-year-old sister. My mother was crushed. I was, too, as a 17-year-old. But if you're a mother, you know the love a mother has. And this lady said, well, maybe your daughter would have grown up to be a prostitute, and that's why God took her. And at 17, I knew enough to say, please, move along. Don't come up with easy answers. Don't say to someone who lost a baby, well, we'll know in a month or two, or maybe if someone comes to faith, tell me she's going to say, oh, good. Look at the answers with me that Asaph got, and they're the same answers that help us keep going. A day at a time, you guys, a day at a time. 
until what he's going to say here. That's the answer. These are the answers that God wants us to have. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And you're welcome to think church, but I wanted to say there's a huge church and a little church, but this isn't talking about a temple. We don't have a temple today. This is a wonderful building and getting better. But the sanctuary of God today is the temple of God, my heart. And we hear from God in his word, definitely. So here's what his word says. The word of God about why. (laughs) And you may not be totally satisfied with his answer. I'm not. But I believe them. And it gets me and us through. Verse 18. First, what he does is he talks about the wicked, which are the object of Asaph's complaint, <laughs> and often of, um, of mine and yours, I, I would guess. I mean the really wicked who don't love God and don't believe in Jesus as Savior. So here's what he says about their present. Oh, it looks, I think it's $140 billion is how much money he has or is worth. Or I, I, we watch somebody who's a movie star and glamorous in many ways, and we think, look, they look like they have it all together, but they don't care a bit about God and truth. You know. Look at what he says. 18. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Whoa. He says about the wicked... They're in slippery places. They really don't have anything. What's $140 billion compared to joy and happiness? What's anything compared to eternal life and the inner peace that comes when you're linked with Christ in your life? I ask you, what's, what compares to total forgiveness and a connection with God that you not only feel at times, but you know is true no matter what. What would you give for? Nothing. You wouldn't give anything for that. It's everything. You wouldn't trade it for anything. And he says the wicked walk on banana peels. Hello, they really don't have anything. This is God's judgment and his assessment of life. God doesn't look at cars or farms or houses or money accounts and say, whoa, look what they have. For he owns everything. And here he says, they really don't have anything. His answer, first of all, is, why are you jealous of the wicked? They're in slippery places And when I wake up and give judgment in the morning, that's the picture of this, they won't have anything. 
Now, a lot of Christians, you know this is true, like the health and wealth message that some churches give and some pastors. Everything's going to be fine in this life. If you just do what's right today or give a bigger offering or, or trust God, uh, things will change. You'll get a promotion, actually. You've heard that. I heard a preacher from Akron, Ohio, where we served for many years, say on national television, every Christian should be happy and healthy and wealthy. Huh? I actually have a, a, a radio one that you hit to get a station. I can't say the word. My wife helps me get serious every year because I drive a lot. And when I'm sleepy and all alone, I hit that radio spot. I won't say it who is, but it's a preacher who preaches health and wealth. And he says, I heard him say, and it keeps me awake because I argue out loud. The other night I said, Joel, that's not true. There's no way in the world that's true. And it keeps me awake. The issue for our lives is how... I don't want to say who it is. It, it, <laughs> the issue for our lives is do we believe what God says here and how he wants us to obey him and to know that a lot of it's related to the future. Look at the future here of, of, the, of the wicked. And if you dropped your Bible and it's upside down, turn it right side up so you can read. 18. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. And here's more. Verse 27. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. Woe. The person who is unfaithful to God, who does not believe God's revelation, which was different in Asaph's day, but it was a clear revelation of the Creator God, the person who does not respond to God will perish. He will die. His future is terrible. Someone wrote, Hell disappeared and no one noticed. But it's true, Virginia, there is a hell. There is a punishment, a response. Someone who chooses to live apart from God will, and forever. An old saying that comes out of history is that uh, hell is truth known too late. And everyone who goes to eternal judgment will have just bowed his knee to Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, every knee will bow, but it'll be too late for some. So am I going to be jealous of those people? In God's perspective, everything is related to eternity. Do you believe that? Does that register with you? You may not always feel it, but can you accept that? To be jealous of someone who has so much money or so, much, so many things going in this life is kind of foolish if they really do have nothing spiritually and what matters. Clearly, he says for the wicked, stop it. Stop ever being jealous of someone who has so little. 
but he also says it for the righteous. Look at his answers when he went into the sanctuary of God and he got it right from God himself as far as the righteous, verse 23. Nevertheless, that's the way they were. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Whoa. Can I say that? Well, sometimes it's a goal, but the present life of the believer is, it's like God holds you by your right hand. If you're a parent, you've walked into the ocean or a lake or a dangerous spot, and your child who didn't want to hold your hand said, Dad, Mother, hold my hand. You hold me by my right hand. You've got me, God, in the present, the presence of God. Do you know that? It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, you don't just raise your hand or go forward. You say, I believe, I trust that when he died on the cross, all my sins were on him. Ah. When he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because all my sins and yours were on his back. He paid for them with his own spirit and his own death. Furthermore, he also said, it is paid for. It is finished. You rested that? Your sins are paid for, totally judged. The payment for sin is hell death. And Jesus experienced it for you. What's more, when you put your faith in him or trust him as Savior, his judgment counts for you and his righteousness covers you. Whoa. And that means that when God sees me today, sinner that I am, he sees me identified with or covered by the righteousness of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. That's what salvation is. Now we're called to live in combination. I work out my salvation or my needs with fear and trembling, and God works in me, and we work together, and you do too, and you grow in that, always knowing your sins are totally paid for, your righteousness is a gift. And that's why Asaph, as best he could in his day, could say, Hold me by your right hand, and afterwards you'll receive me to glory. He says in verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? This is quite a statement, but it's a goal. And there's nothing I desire on earth besides you? Look at this. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what we have. We didn't say, come to believe in Christ, come to church, do what's right, and everything will be better. 
We did say it will be someday and Christ will be Lord over all the earth and he'll remake even us and we'll be with him forever and ever. Does that register with you? Is that enough of an answer for you? For now, we live by faith, not by sight. In fact, if health and wealth were really true, it wouldn't be by faith. Everybody who believed would become prosperous and healthy and wise, and we'd all accept him for personal and selfish reasons. But we accept him by faith and hope and future. It's interesting, this little phrase, I think it's interesting, he's my portion. That goes back to the division of the land in the Old Testament. (laughs) I'll just summarize it. When they gave out the land to the 12 tribes, they went through the areas of the Holy Land, and I'm, sh- I'm going to make some of this up, all of this up, but I know they gave it out by tribes. Like to the Benjamites, you get the Wawa Sea area. You'll have the lake. It's a beautiful lake. Uh, he goes to the Simeonites, and you get the, you get the really rich farmland out in this area, and they keep going through the 12 tribes, and they come to the Levites, and they say, and your portion is the Lord. And I'm sure some Levites go, huh? They get Lake Wawa Sea, they get the rich farmland, and we get the invisible, the Lord. That's the tie here. The Lord is our portion. We won't necessarily have billions or millions or thousands, but we have the Lord. (laughs) Is that you? That keeps us going no matter what. That's in this life. You can walk with Christ and with his spirit and with his hope. For the second part of the future of the righteous, and I mean righteous through Jesus Christ in our case, who believe and trust him and grow this way in Christ, look what their future is, the finale they're going to be with him forever and ever. You hold me, verse 23, by my right hand, and afterwards you'll receive me to glory. Glory means the presence of God and perfect forever and ever. That's our future. Verse 27, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is faithful to you, but for me it is good to be near God I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Our reward may be good things in this life, may not be, but our reward is he'll get you through holding you by your right hand. Whoa! And you'll go a day at a time and someday you'll be with him forever and ever. In fact, Paul said one day, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. John the Apostle added to that what God has prepared. You can't believe what's ahead. Wait till you see the presence of Christ and of heaven. Raised from the dead, 
My body will be changed and glorified, and you too, if you're in Christ, I'll see my sister and my mother and my father made new by Jesus Christ and to live together forever and ever, world without end. Are there any questions? Well, that's what he offers us. And it's a life based on faith. And nobody would say in the third quarter, we lost, unless it's a terrible score. Don't judge this life by the third quarter. Wait till you see the end of the game and the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And so he says in the last verse, I repeat it, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Is that you? Is that me? Talk about him. Don't be afraid. And when somebody says, well, why did this happen? Or why did Congress do this? Or Trump do Say, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> because we need hope, and the hope is in the Lord, who gives and who sometimes allows things to be taken away. But he is Lord. He is Lord. I read in a marathon magazine once. I never ran a marathon, but I like to jog. And uh, the marathoner said, uh, when they were asked in a survey, what keeps you going in a 26-mile race? And three answers stood out. The encouragement of everyone else on the side. You can do it. Keep going. Water, because you need that if you're going to run 26 miles. And I know there's an end. <laughs> Isn't that true in our lives or can be? Encouragement of others. Keep coming on Sunday. One of the reasons is it says in Hebrews to encourage each other. Keep going. Way to go. Stand together. One is water. And, and for us, the water is the Word of God and the Spirit of God helping us inside and, and reading it and taking it to personal ways and saying, I can do this another day by the water of God's Spirit and Word. And the hope that I mentioned today from Psalm 73 is... There's an end when all things will be made right. And also, we will be so glad <laughs> that we were in Christ and forever and ever. Let's pray. Until that day, Lord, please help me and help all of us obey you and walk with you and do what is right in your eyes. As you pray, not out loud, but please pray, thank God if you are in Christ for what it means forever and ever and ever. <laughs> thank him that the answers to the hard questions are in a person who rose from the dead. If you're not sure of what it means to be in Christ, 
Won't you say to God in a quiet way in your own heart, God, help me know how to trust Christ. Help me know if this is true or if he's just making it up. Or if you're ready, put your faith in Christ and hang on for the rest of life, but grow. Thank you, God. We're going to try to say with Job, who suffered immensely, blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and you, you allow to be taken away, but you are Lord. And in Christ, you are risen from the dead. And you are Lord. And we pray in his name. Amen.